Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including the one with highly acclaimed husband and wife duo and co-authors of Anti-Cancer Living, Dr. Lorenzo Cohen and Allison Jeffries. Or check out last week's episode with Camille Hammond, who talks about a non-traditional route to motherhood. Now, if you've liked these episodes or others, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire so many more people. Or if you're a social media fan, please take a screenshot while you're listening and tag us at Pretty Wellness. And now for this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Anne Heck, an author, speaker, healer, and artist devoted to inspiring and guiding women. At 26 years old, Anne went through a devastating trauma, and on today's episode, she shares her story of healing. I am beyond grateful that she is here today to share her journey. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you today with Anne Heck. She is an author, a speaker, a healer, and an artist devoted to inspiring and guiding women. See, at 26 years old, Anne was brutally raped and attacked by a stranger. On today's episode, we're going to talk about this and her memoir, A Fierce Belief in Miracles. Anne will share her story of healing, demonstrating the importance of clear intention and trusting inner guidance. She is an incredibly powerful force. Even just a few moments that I spoke with her before this podcast, I could tell that. She is lighting the way for others recovering from any trauma. And I am beyond grateful that she is here today to share her story. Thank you so much, Anne, for being here. It's a pleasure, Karen. Thanks for having me. Well, we are going to start out. I want to ask you a quick question so the listeners can get to know you. What is something that your followers may not know about you or those that are reading the book? Um, is it something fun? Something they may not. Or a favorite food? <laughs> um, there are probably a number of things that people don't know about me. Um, tell us, tell us, tell us. Well... I have um, an absolutely beautiful family, um, and I don't I don't share that so much on social media because I I keep my my life my private life fairly private. Um, but my husband and I have been together for thirty years, wow. and um, wow! So um, and we have two beautiful kids. 
And I was going to say on your social media, I see, I think it's the dog. I see nature. I think that you've done a, a, a beautiful thing by being able to connect with so many of us virtually, but also it seems like by keeping that beautiful family, as you said, private. Yes. So, yes. and I love sharing beauty and nature and love being in it. Um, most people who follow me know that. Well, and here, like I said, I'm so grateful that you're willing to share your story because for many people out there, whether they've gone through what you've gone through or some other trauma or tragedy, hearing someone who is willing to go raw and to share their story and bring their insights is really powerful. So thank you. And we would love, I'd love to open it up and for you to tell us a bit about the attack and how you move forward. Sure. So as you mentioned in the intro, um, I was 26 and I was out for a morning bicycle ride in Northern Virginia. Um, and I was stopped by a man asking for directions and there I was violently beaten and raped. And in the aftermath, I, um, you know, really got called into this healing quest. How could you not? And, um, my story is less about the the trauma itself, the incident itself, and more about a healing path, which was for me um, a very unconventional path is the way I see it. One I never would have expected to take. Um, And perhaps this is the way that healing is for all of us, you know, stretching us to try new things and to listen and to act on our intuition. Um, But that's really what the story is about. Well, and it seems like from what I've learned about you that it has brought you to a beautiful place. Now, how quickly did you get there? Because so many times when we're going through this, the turmoil of tragedy, we're really stuck in our tracks. So when does the healing, I want to say begin, or how do you put those one foot in front of the other after something horrible happens? Well, it was, it's been a long journey for me. Um, and healing is kind of an interesting thing. I heard a quote once from Ernest Holmes that there is nothing to be healed, only truth to be revealed. Hmm. And I think that we, um, we all have the opportunity to seek for that greater truth within ourselves. Perhaps it's a sense of wholeness or an expression of our authentic self. Um, for me, the, the, the first number of years after that incident, I was a little bit more obviously in trauma mode and really working to, um, help law enforcement to identify who this man was. And, uh, that just wasn't happening. It didn't, they couldn't identify him. And I continued on my own journey to try to help myself. For me, the impact of the trauma affected me um, by making it really difficult to breathe. I had some post-traumatic stress that was going on. And also I had a lot of pain in my hips and pelvis. And so those were the physical manifestations that I was really working to get grasp on so that I could feel more myself in balance and in peace. So you're saying that those first few years, as you're going through, 
actually legally trying to figure out who this man was and seek justice. I'm, if I'm putting words in your mouth, please let me know. But that physically you needed to heal there almost first so that you could feel like yourself. Did I? Well, I they were kind of going hand in hand. You know, okay. I, I needed to do that, that initial work with law enforcement right away. Okay. Um, and yeah, I didn't put that on a back burner. That was the first, my first point of, of importance was to try to help my community by not allowing this man to be out on the streets. So I did everything I could do at that point to help try to identify him. And, um, and at the same time, you know, I had dental work that needed to be done because I got hit in the face and, um, and it entered my mouth. And so I, you know, at the same time I was doing that sort of work. And then, you know, as I got further away from the incident itself, um, my healing took a number of forms and just continually being in pursuit of that sense of balance and peace and wholeness within myself, I sought out lots of different forms of healing. Um, if one thing didn't work, then I tried another. And um, at one point, I counted all the different alternative modes of healing that I had tried, and okay. it was over 70. Wow. <laughs> so I really did put out the effort to find myself in now, the aftermath. Now, and it was many years of, of you know, trial. <laughs> right. And, and now you mentioned, obviously, 70 different modalities. What ones stick out that really helped you, at least at a certain point in time during that journey? Um, well, I will say that all of them helped me in one wow. way, shape, or form, whether it was That's the great. practitioner that I met, whether it was a conversation that I had with that practitioner, something that arose during an appointment time. Um, I really think that all of it led me to a new place. And um, I think that if I had to, I mean, everybody's different. So you really need to trust yourself in what's going to resonate for you and what will work for you. For me, um, one of the most valuable modalities was EMDR, which um, is, is partly an energetic modality, but it it works in repro- reprogramming um, your nervous system okay. and being able to ease out the trauma of a particular memory that's in your cellular memory. Ah. Um, also, somatic experiencing was very valuable to me, and that's um, really getting in touch with where the trauma is within your body, feeling into that, and um, helping support those places that are feeling still traumatized. Now, to, who do you go to for these exper- experiences? Are they? Is it a naturopath? Is it an expert in EMDR? Uh, many many therapists have EMDR training, okay. especially if they work at crisis centers, okay. like a rape crisis center, for example. Um, many of those practitioners, most probably at this point, have EMDR training. And as far as somatic experiencing, there are practitioners who do just that. Um, but there are also people who, you know, like I saw several different 
somatic experiencing practitioners. Um, one was an osteopath. Um, another did somatic experiencing along with massage okay. um, to help help the clients connect with their body. Yeah, can you explain so. a little deeper? And I, I am new to EMDR as well as somatic experiencing. So I am trying to envision what you might be going through in a particular appointment. Sure. So um, I can't really explain how it works. Okay. To me, um, experience of it is that I am, I will rate the trauma on a scale of one to 10 okay. as how, um, how difficult it is for me to hold it in my, in my body. And so let's say that I'm, I'm an eight, like it's really, it really stresses me out to revisit a particular thought. Um, so I'll give a rating on it. And then we go through uh, myself and the practitioner will go through me um, revisioning, going into kind of a dream state and revisioning that experience. Okay. Wow. And um, and I've had it. I've worked with the MDR with several practitioners, okay. so I've seen it done different ways. Sometimes there's some tapping done. Uh-huh. If you've heard of tapping, yeah, I've heard of tapping. Um, and so sometimes there's some tapping done that will, uh, once I get into a particular state of eye movement, the practitioner knows when to do the tapping to desensitize okay. that traumatic experience. Okay. Uh, in other situations, it could be that I have my eyes opening and I'm and open and I'm watching the practitioner move their hand back and forth and that um, desensitizes that particular memory as wow. I body. Wow. I, th- I thank you for sharing. It's, it's amazing how much we know and we don't know. And, and yes, tapping I've heard for so many people that are going through their healing journeys can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of support, can you talk to us about you're 26 years old and I know at 26, I thought I was so old, but yet I was, you know, still now I look at it in retrospect, I was such a baby. Uh, can you talk to us about who was there for support and what you felt like you needed and didn't need? Um, as far as support, I had lived in this particular community for only a year. Um, I had moved there for a job teaching chemistry okay. and I had some friends within my teaching community and I also had some fairly new cycling friends who I had met just that summer. And, um, and I'm fortunate in that they really came to my support. It was, um, you know, when you don't know people well to call on them to come in and, and support you, it's, you can have some hesitation about who that might be. That's going to feel the best. Um, I ended up, first contacting from the hospital, a couple of cycling friends that I had met in a multiple sclerosis ride about a month and a half earlier or two months earlier. And, um, and they were great. They came right away. They made calls to dentists for me. They, um, you know, were, were supportive for me in, in many ways in a time that I really 
didn't know how to completely care for myself. Um, And then I had another cycling friend who drove um, to where I was living and took me to my parents' home so that I could have some downtime. And I was on summer break from school. So I I didn't have work commitments at the time that it happened, but I, it was, I was about three weeks away from going back to work. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that was, I was, I'm really grateful that I had that kind of support and, um, and, and had the time to, um, you know, work a little bit on recentering myself. Right. Now for those people who are going through a similar experience, what are the wise words that you like to share to them about when tragedy hits, when you get attacked or whatever hardship that might be? Yeah, I don't have a prescription for people because I think everybody is so different. Um, I think that what I would share is trust yourself. If you feel like you need to take an action for yourself, do that. If you need to call a particular person, do that. Just listen to that intuitive sense of what's going to most serve you in the moment and do that. Um, Because I think often when we're in a place of trauma, there can be voices from the outside that are telling us to do things and it makes it really difficult to navigate um, something that's unfamiliar and that has also kind of thrown you out of your body in some sense. And um, if you can just take some breaths and come to the place of listening to yourself and do that, regardless of what the outside voices are telling you to do. I think that's really important to pull back your own power for yourself and to just honor that part of you that's, um, that's kind of the heart of you that's trying to speak out. That's so beautifully said. I mean, I'm trying to write that down as we're speaking here because that, to me, is such wise advice any hardship you go through and, and it's hard, but the more time that I know that I've spent in silence is when I actually feel like I can tap into what my gut's trying to tell me. So often when we go through hardship, like you said, there's a lot of outside voices, there's outside forces. And sometimes taking the breath, as you mentioned, is, gives you an opportunity to slow down, even if it's for a moment and try and, and try and kind of, dig into yourself or tap into yourself. Now, sure. you have gone on this beautiful healing journey. You talk a lot about it moving forward. You shared with us the beginning kind of the, of the physical journey. Can you walk us through how your healing journey and the adventures in that has really taken a different direction? Well, I would say that there, there were some... Um, experiences that created a large shift for me on in the place of healing and probably the first big one was coming to a place of forgiveness with the perpetrator um <clears throat> and i really did that for me mm-hmm. uh, because i knew that i couldn't hold on to the anger and the upset about that forever and navigate in a way that felt peaceful. So I think that forgiveness really is a gift to ourselves. That um, 
I have heard that so many times. Are you able to share what does one do or what did you do to get yourself to a place where you could forgive him? I think at first it was um, kind of faking it till I could make it. Okay. Oh, that's- <laughs> you know, like um, being in a place of, of telling myself that I could let go of it, which I couldn't (laughs) at first. Um, But what I came to realize is that my perpetrator and I had something that we shared. We shared trauma. And I was fairly certain of that because nobody acts out in a violent way unless they're in fear. We either act out of fear or we act out of love. And we shared that. We shared being in fear. Um, because I was holding that in my body at the time when I was working through this. Um, And when I had that realization, I knew that I would want somebody to be forgiving of me if I acted out of my fear and my angst and anxiety. And so that was something that I could do for him. Wow. And, um, I think it's a compassionate gift to all people for us to be able to let go of our anger and open our hearts to love, that it raises our vibration in a way that helps everyone. Well, I would love to hear more about, I was reading about some of your women empowerment circles and how you are now through your experience, through your knowledge or helping others learn how to heal. We tell us about that. Sure. Well, a couple of things. Um, Along my healing path, I became trained in a number of um, healing modalities. Um, Most specifically is healing touch, which is an energy modality. Um, It's most often used, uh, known as an alternative therapy in hospitals. Um, So I have devoted a number of years to offering healing touch to people. Um, and that's done either in person or virtually. Wow. Okay. And um, and also I've facilitated women's circles. I don't have one going right now um, as I launch this book. And I've, as I've been writing, I've been taking, for the most part, I've been taking sabbaticals from that sort of work. But I uh, facilitate women's circles. And those are opportunities for women to come together and sit and share a little bit of their stories. and witness one another. And it's a really beautiful way to allow things to organically be expressed. And then everybody seems to gain exactly what they need in that space. So I just trust the process and hold safe space for people to do their inner work. You know, through my own journey, I found healing in so many different directions. And when you were talking about healing touch, is Reiki a part of that? Because early in my journey, I tried Reiki and I didn't really believe it. But then later on, I started trying all sorts of different healing modalities and I was open to it. And I started to see and I started to feel these changes. Yeah, I have not been trained in Reiki, but it's an energy modality. So it's um, providing energy to help balance out someone else's energy in their body. And um, healing touch is similar. It 
uses a number of modalities within the healing touch teaching. Uh, so it's a similar thing. Um, we're all energy beings. So we are affected by one another. We're affected by each other's energy, the intentions that are put out around us. Um, so I have found that energy work is um, really powerful in shifting some sort of imbalance or discomfort that I'm holding within myself. Okay. Um, like I said, I, I think I started tapping into that later on in my journey and I did notice a difference in how I felt. And I'm coming from a place of not necessarily believing in it years prior. And so that was a big hurdle that I was, that I overcame. And so I love hearing about all these other modalities that are out there because I know that if one is open to it, they may work. And even if they don't, it sounds like you tried several other exercises, modalities, whatever we're calling them as well as a part of your journey. Yes. Now, yes, several. <laughs> I want to hear more about the book because I know you've got a new book. Well, it's, you, you have an ebook that's out there. If people sign up for your newsletter, this is your first book, correct? Yes. All yes, right. this is my first book to be published. So can you talk to us about the process of it? Was it cathartic? Was it really hard? Did you look at this as enlightenment or was there a struggle? I'm curious um, to understand your thoughts going through that process. Yeah, so I really felt called to write this book and I resisted because I knew that on some level I wasn't ready. Um, so when I finally got around to writing it, I really, I committed. I, I just put other things on a back burner and um, jumped into it wholeheartedly. <laughs> and, um, and I held a belief that that, that that was the way to do it, but in chair, sit and write and just be uh -huh. really disciplined about it. Um, that ended up not working for me okay. because in the mostly in the reading and rereading and editing process, I found it re-traumatizing. And so I had to take big breaks and put it down um, and indulge in self-care. It was necessary for me to be really compassionate with myself and take care of me first and then to do the writing. And so that was kind of how those two years went of writing is stepping in mm -hmm. and listening to myself and stepping out and taking a break. And, uh, and so I can't say that it was cathartic. I think that there was, I definitely had opportunity for growth in that, which I'm grateful for. Um, it wasn't an easy experience, mm -hmm. but I'm really grateful that I did it. It was something that I knew that I needed to do. Now, I will say that anytime there's hardship, I have found myself jumping into writing because that is soothing for me. Whether it's journaling, whether it's uh, just writing a letter to someone that I never intend to give. Uh, guess maybe it's my creative outlet 
Can you talk about creative outlets that have helped you or that you recommend for others when they are going through hardship? Yeah, again, I think it's whatever resonates for someone. Um, I too am a journaler. And so um, I really, you know, I get that, that piece of wanting to just write it down. Um, I eventually got to a part where, to a place where I didn't feel like journaling did it for me because I couldn't, um, I couldn't feel it in my body. It was hand to page, but I needed something that was uh, more dimensional. And so I started working with clay and enjoyed that, but it too didn't give me the meaning or the insights that I was looking for, like journaling has. So I eventually moved into making dolls. And, I saw that. Uh, yeah, so dolls are really great for a creative outlet because their bodies express our emotion. Like we know what a body is expressing when we look at it, whether it's the way it tilts its head or the tension in its shoulders or just the way um, the body stands. We can sense into what it must be feeling. So for me, it was really effective to place my emotion outside of myself and see it from a new perspective by having this doll image in front of me. And so both in the creation process, Mm -hmm. as well as in having the doll complete, I was communicating with it. Um, and I used a dominant, non-dominant hand journaling process what is that, that would help me get the, um, I would write questions with my dominant hand okay. and um, that was a left brain action. Okay. And then I would use my non-dominant hand to get the answers. And that was kind of a subconscious right brain access. And that way I would gain insights and messages and um, amazing uh, teachings and poetry from these dolls. So for me, that I, I devoted seven years to working with these dolls and I, I used a process where I engaged the medicine wheel, which is, um, it's a symbol of transformation. Okay. And so I, I walked through this journey following that as kind of my structure. And then I made dolls along the way that fed me into the next step of my healing process until I finally uh, reached my ultimate goal. So was this something that you found on your own or was there an expert or a practitioner that walked you through the medicine wheel to help create the, you know, then you're helping create the dolls that are tapping into, you know, different parts of your healing? Or is that something you did on your own? Um, A little bit of both, but it was, you know, certainly things that I had learned along the way. I sat with a Cherokee medicine man for six years on a weekly basis. And so I was familiar with the medicine wheel and really loved um, the symbology of it. And I also really loved dolls and I had been looking at them on the internet (laughs) 
for a long time because they really spoke to me in how they expressed emotion. And um, somehow I came across a doll artist who mentored people in healing through doll making. And I was all in. I jumped in. And she did mention the, the medicine wheel. She didn't use it as her primary way of um, navigating, but I kind of combined the two and created my own journey of healing through creating. And, um, but she mentored me for a year and I wasn't done with my process at that point. So I just kept going myself and a number of other people who were, who were taking part in it. We just kept going if we weren't complete. Um, so yes, I had, teachers who help guide the process. And it was wonderful. Now, on a side note, as I am a child of a mother who used to collect dolls, different dolls, is this something that you keep like a creator's, like a collector's item because they're they're so special to you or are they something that they serve their purpose and now they've moved on? Um, Well, I know that there are, you know, there are many people who do doll collecting, um, and these dolls are art dolls. So, you know, you're, you're making a piece of art that represents some emotion and I've kept my series because yeah. they speak to me right. and, um, and yet they speak to everybody, you know, their, their messages are not just for me. They were for everyone. And so I love sharing the dolls as well as their teachings. So they're not necessarily collector's items. No, they're pieces of art. Well, but, and, and that's what I mean. They're, collect- they're yeah. collector's items. They're pieces of art that you're keeping as, oh, sure. I, you know, I'm thinking when I say collector's item, I see in my mother's bedroom, the whole set of Madame Alexander dolls that she had from different yeah. countries and different <laughs> places, totally different than this. I get that. But I'm envisioning as yeah. you're spending seven years creating these, now they're art. And it's something that can represent your journey of healing. And that to my, is a beautiful piece of work that could be yeah. showcased just like the other collector dolls. Yes, absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read your book, A Fierce Belief in Miracles, because for someone who's been through hardship, and I know so many people, the world right now is going through such a hard time. If they can, if anybody can just open up a little bit and try and like you say, tap into love, you might be able to find this miracle that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, absolutely. It's important, especially right now. We need to be grounded and keep our vibration high. And that's a hard thing to do when you're reading the media or watching the TV or, you know, listening to your neighbor talk about their worries or whatever it is. Um, But that's, I think, our work right now is to get quiet and to listen and to really work toward our own, whatever it is, authentic expression, you know, whatever is ours to do. When was it that the the flip was switched that you actually now believe in miracles? Um, You know, I think it was a process on some level. I think we all believe in miracles, you know, that's why we love Santa Claus or any of those pieces, you know, but I think for me, you know, at this point, believing in miracles is a belief in love. And when we enter any experience with a belief in love, 
we're more open or more curious at of staying stuck and shut down. And we can look for things and find them because we're open. And so when, you know, when there aren't any miracles readily apparent, if we can just get in our heart space, then we can find that place and experience the miracle. Now, the podcast is titled Happiness Through Hardship. Do you have any words, whether they're, wisdom, whether they're wise or not, just thoughts on during the hardest times in your life, whether it was the attack or moving forward, how were you able to find a little bit of joy? Um, well, you know, for me, I love being out in nature and there's nothing like going out and being amidst the trees or the flowers that is more grounding for me It and it's healing. And during the toughest times, that would be my reprieve. I would just need to go out and touch the earth. Um, the other thing that has really helped me is cycling, which is something I've done my whole life that really feels empowering okay. yeah. and anything to lift the spirit and raise the vibration is definitely the thing that I will focus on in the moment. More recently, I've been engaging in quite a bit of creativity and that too is a place for me to get lost and um, let go of what my mind might be doing uh-huh. and just get into that flow. I love that. And that has been so helpful for me is tapping into something creative, dance, music, writing, because it gets me in the flow and outside of my head of that sometimes it can be fear, you know, filled with a little fear and worry. Yeah, sure. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, I am incredibly grateful that you were here, that we got to connect, that your book is out for the world to read. And I'm hoping that you would play what I call the grateful game. So my son and I play this most nights and it really is a fun way of us each night or on a reoccurring basis to talk about little things during the day that we're grateful for. Now, yes, I can say I am incredibly grateful for my health. I am incredibly grateful for my husband. I I am incredibly grateful for so much in my life. Uh, What I try and gauge with him is to look for the little things because sometimes life can be heavy and hard. But when we look for little things that make us smile, that can give us a few of those moments of joy that can help us get through a really hard day. And so I am wondering if you would play with me. Sure. All right. I'd love to play. All right. So what we'll do is I'll give us 30, 45 seconds and I'll kick it off and I'll just see how many things I can say I'm grateful for today and then I'll toss it to you. Sound good? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So you gave me an idea. Um, I am grateful for the fact that my family, the three of us, we all have bikes because while cycling hasn't been a long-term passion of mine per se, last summer... When we got bikes, the three of us would be out. Maybe this past summer we're wearing our masks, but the wind is going through our hair. The Although my husband's bald, so he'd laugh at that one. We are having such an, a great time together and feeling the energy of kind of like the weather around us and the laughter of each other, if that makes any sense. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Let's see. I'm grateful today for uh, my new command hooks. Do you know those that have a little sticker on the back that I got a bunch of them that just arrived and they help me organize our command center since school has started and I'm working, my husband's working here, my son's here largely. And so having a little bit of organization has really helped us make our day a little bit easier because we know where things belong. So that's got me to about 30 seconds and I've got two things. So I am tossing it to you. All right. Thanks, Karen. Um, I am, the things that bring me happiness are mainly nature-based. And I love that right now, I'm so grateful for the fresh air that I'm able to breathe. I know that there are some people in this country that are really struggling out in the West. And I have really fresh air here and I can see blue sky. And and that's something that I think we all can be grateful for if we have it. Um, I also love that the leaves are just beginning to fall. And my favorite season is fall because it's so colorful. So I'm grateful to be moving into that place where, you know, the mornings and evenings are a little bit crisp and I begin crunching the leaves on the ground and have the opportunity to go out and see the color that's in these mountains that I live in. Um, And, you know, just, just being able to put my feet on the ground right now, um, with the morning dew is, is divine. I've, um, I have a little bit of an injury this summer and I'm grateful to be able to put my feet solidly on the ground. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're recovering from that. It was a fracture in your femur, right? That's correct. So I'm happy that you're on the road to recovery and you're able to get outside where you, but brings you such joy and such calm. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, you won, Sarah. if it matters, because you got three and I got two. But as I always like to say, uh, <laughs> these type of games, it doesn't matter. I'm not competitive. I just want us to try throwing out some good energy to the world because not every day is as golden as we'd like it to be. Some of those days are harder. Some of those seasons are harder. And when we're able to try and tap into finding a little bit of joy during our journey, it does make it a little easier. So thank you so much, Anne, for being here today. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And now, my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode, and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me... Focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. Now, this is why my son and I play the grateful game most nights. If nothing else, it brings a smile to our faces. And that is why I play with all the guests at the end of each episode. Because even though some of their stories are really intense like Anne's today, or Jenna's in episode 8 who lost her husband in 9-11, or Lynn in episode 29, who still radiates joy even after an ALS diagnosis. 
There have been so many guests on this show or friends in my life, and I'm sure yours as well, that have been through hard times. I believe we can all use a little gratitude practice in our life, which is why I ask you to just try it. Try and take two minutes in your day to be present, grab a friend or a family member, whether it's in person or virtually, and talk about what you are grateful for and why. And I'd love to hear what you're grateful for, so please connect with me. Tag me at Pretty Wellness on Instagram, and I will repost back and chat back with you. Now, thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.